right, all right, everybody. How many of you are excited to be at church today? Man, I'm excited to be in a building full of excited people. Some of y'all brought that New Year energy, and I am here for it. First service was still a little bit sleepy, but you guys are ready and awake. I love that, uh, just that simple little video, that little idea that we need to look at our faith. That's what the series is about, um, refueling, getting our faith to the place where it needs to be, and really putting our faith first putting our trust in the Lord and making that the priority because when we do that, everything else will line up. So, uh, man, I'm, I'm just excited that everybody's here today. Can we give it up for the, for the worship team? They did an amazing job today. They have been switching out some of the equipment and some of the technologies that we use. And so this morning they were struggling just a little bit, but it was hard to even tell. You couldn't even, you could not even tell, but I, I commend them and they... They work on their, uh, their songs and their talents and their giftings, and it's just incredible to watch them sing and play and use those talents. And I love seeing, whether it's the worship team or the dream team, all over this building, people using their talents and their gifts in the nursery, in the kids' department, and just all of you who, who are the dream team. So let's just do this. Let's just do a big cheer for the dream team. Where's the dream team at? Come on. For years, we could not do what we do without the dream team. You guys are, everybody brings, everybody's a 10 at something. Everybody brings their talent and their gift to serve the Lord. So we serve each other and serve God together. And that is a, that's a huge, huge blessing to me. I want to I shout out one more group of people, and that is a group that joins us every single week. Even if you cannot be in the building, there are those who watch on the website and on the streaming platforms. And all of the people who are watching online right in this little camera in front of me, I want to let you know that we are just thrilled that you are joining with us today, worshiping with us, and uh, going to the Word of God together today as we grow in our faith. And um, can we just give a big uh, round of applause for all of our people watching online right now? Let them know we love them. Let them know that we care that they chose to click that button and join us. We're, so, we're really excited about that. Today marks the beginning of not just the start of a year or the second week of the series that we're in, Faithful, but today starts, we're kicking off 21 days of prayer and boo. That's the, <laughs> nobody likes fasting, but let me tell you something. If you've never fasted, if you've never participated in fasting, let me tell you something. There's almost nothing that creates uh, a, an atmosphere of breakthrough. There's almost nothing that gets you closer to God than when you turn off all the other stuff. When you tell your flesh, no, I'm not going to eat today or this meal or this week or this, the, this 21 days. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to participate in this because I want more of what God has for me. So when we empty ourselves, he is able to fill us back up with more of what he has for us, more faith, more power, more anointing, more, more of his word. And that's really what we're reaching for. That's what we're leaning into. So I will tell you that we have prayer meetings all this week. Pastor Angela already talked a little bit about what that looks like for 21 days. And I want to just kick off 21 days with uh, a simple declaration of faith, a simple declaration in prayer with us together. We will have prayer meetings. There are all kinds of resources out um, on the on the table outside for 21 days of prayer, including 
If you guys don't already, I've, seen, I've already seen some bracelets this morning that say pray first. You need a new bracelet to remind you to pray first, pray in the morning, pray be- before whatever you're going to do. You're going to leave the house, we're going to pray first. We're going to eat, we're going to pray first. We're going to make a decision, let's pray first. We're going to wake up and, and, and go tackle the day, let's pray first. So today we're going to pray as we kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting. And some of you still might be in that weird, uh, awkward phase where you're just trying to figure out, okay, what's this going to look like for me? Maybe you haven't prepared a whole lot, but you still have, good news is you still have time. You still have some time to make a decision. Our fast officially starts, prayer starts now. Prayer starts this morning. Prayer, we're, we're praying all year long, but now we're kicking it into overdrive, and our fasting starts tonight at 6 p.m., and we'll go for 21 days. So, I would just encourage you, even through the message today, even through the prayer that I'm about to pray, through this moment, would you just let the Holy Spirit speak to you, make some decisions, make some commitments, and let this next 25 minutes or so be uh, a deciding ground. Uh, let some decisions be made that the next 20, 21 days is going uh, to be a, a time of change, a season where God speaks, I follow, I listen, I move. I do exactly what he wants me to do. Life changes. Family changes. My marriage gets stronger. My faith gets stronger. So those are the decisions that we need to make even before we leave here today. So let's pray. God, we come to you right now, and we just commit. We dedicate the next 21 days of prayer and fasting to you, God, that as we turn down the voice of the world, the voice of all the other distractions that would love to say, hey, 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 look at me. God, we're going to turn all of those things down, and we're going to look to you. We're going to lean to your presence. We're going to grab a hold of everything that you have for us. We want more of your word. We want more of your power, more direction, more vision, more clarity. God, give us a a, a clear view of how do we get closer to you? How do we know you in a greater way? How do we grasp who you really are and what you want for us, your desire for us? what holiness looks like, what your righteousness, when you put it on us, how do we live that out? How can we grow in our faith this week? God, we commit all of these things that as we walk out these next 21 days that we're going to pray more than we've ever prayed. We're going to fast. We're going to reach for you like we never have before. And God, we dedicate this whole year, 2023, belongs to you. And so we mark it. We stick a flag in the sand and say that this year belongs to you, and we're going to kick it off, and we're going to pray first. God, we love you. We honor you in this place and everything that we do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. So with that said, I'm going to dive back into our faithful series with week number two. And last week, we looked at a few of the distractions, things that keep us away from making our faith first, putting our faith, putting God as a priority in our life. And we could have, we usually start a a, a new year with a series that says, hey, let's put our relationships in order. Let's reprioritize things. But this year we decided to make the whole series about putting one thing first, and that's putting God first, putting our trust in him as the priority. Because when we seek him first, what happens? All the other stuff will be added. All the other stuff will sort itself out if I can put the, the, the main, keep the main thing the main thing. So that's what this series is about. And usually I start with something funny. Usually I start with something that will capture your attention. But I, wanna, I want to appeal to 
um, your understanding of faith for just about three minutes. So if you can give me three minutes to just lay out a, a, a basic idea of what it is we believe and why we fail when it comes to just believing. Jesus, last week, I'm going to pick up right where we left off last week. We talked about how Jesus said, you believe in God, believe in me also. And if I asked all of you, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in the Bible? Okay. Then, it, then we're done. <laughs> Sermon's over. Right? But we believe things, but somewhere between believing and living, is <laughs> there's, there's a break. Somewhere between we know what's right and we do what's right, there's, there's a break. And so if believing was enough, our whole lives would be better. I, I can ask you this. How many of you believe in that nutrition, if you eat the right stuff, you'll be healthy? Okay. How many of you believe that if you exercise and eat right, you will be healthy? But when I look around the room today, when I look in the mirror, I don't see that. I, don't, I know what's right to eat, but I don't eat it. <laughs> I know what I know how I should work out every day, but I don't every day. But knowing is not enough, and knowing is not believing. I can say I believe in nutrition, I believe in exercise, I believe in all these things. I, hey, we know that if we don't if we don't spend more than we make and we save a little, we should be pretty good financially. But that's not the way it looks all the time. If believing was enough, our lives would look very different. If, if knowing was enough, our lives would look very different. But there's a, there's a disconnect between believing and actually living it out. So I'm, I'm telling you, I could ask you what you believe, but that's not what our lives reflect. Why is that? Here's why. Because believing is more than knowing. And Jesus actually taught us to do something more, and that's to do what we believe. You can't just know it. You have to do it. Say that out loud. You can't just know it. You have to do it. Tell your neighbor, do something. Now tell the other neighbor, do something. No, you do something. We have to do something for God because when we know what we should do, and listen, we know a lot. Some of you guys have been going to church too long to be doing what you're doing. I could tell myself the same thing. I'm standing on the stage. We know everything that we need to know to live better lives. In fact, we live in a day and age that information is at an all-time high. We have access to more information than we've ever had. We know you can know anything. If you don't know something, just Google it. You want to live a better life? Google it. You can find a way. But that doesn't get us there. Why? Because we don't actually do it. We can know it. We just don't do it. And so today, our, our lesson in faith, our challenge in faith is to do something. And why, how do we get disconnected between the knowing and the doing? How do we fall short? Last week, we, we ended with this idea that trust is the currency of relationships. God wants us to move. God wants us to step out and act and trust him. Because that's how our relationship with, his, with him grows. But if we just know a lot with him, that's not a relationship. He don't want that. I need to know. I need to educate myself. I need to study to show myself approved. I need to dig into the word of God and put it in my heart. 
But if I'm not doing something with it, I'm failing hard. I've got to trust God, and the only way I can trust God is to do something with my faith. So, real quick, I want to tell you a, a, a sad example of this last, so it was Christmas time and all, my whole family was together and I was remembering how using, using our faith is like a muscle. If you don't use it, it, it can shrink. But when you do use it, it gets stronger, right? So my family was all together, and my nephew, he's 16 years old, and he is, let me just tell you, he is full of himself. He works out all the time. He's a star athlete, and he struts around like he is all that. And so he was challenging all the nephews and cousins, and he was, everybody, arm wrestle, let's do it. And so it came all the way around, and I think he was just getting full of himself enough to believe he could challenge me. I'm, I'm bigger than him. I'm older than him. And I told him, I said, you don't want to arm wrestle me. I got old man muscles. It's not the same as workout muscles. You work out every day, but I have. And he said, I, I think he thought I was saying that because I was afraid to arm wrestle him. And I was like, no. But I really was afraid to arm wrestle him because a 16-year-old, he was challenging me. And if I lose to this guy, he'll never let me forget it. His dad, my brother, knows me very well, and he caught on. He knew I didn't want to arm wrestle him, so he starts in, and now I've got everybody against me and realize I have to arm wrestle him. This is done deal. I have to. So I thought, okay, I'm pretty good at least one time. I can get it. I can get the job done, and then I'm reminded that he's left-handed, and so if I'm going to arm wrestle him, I have to actually beat him with my left hand. So then I start backpedaling a little bit. Like, maybe we should wait till after we eat. I don't know. So I finally decide to arm wrestle him. And I, he is super confident. He believes he can beat me. And I'm wondering how this is going to go. At least if I can hold out for, you know, 30 seconds or so. At least put a good show on. We start into it. And it lasts much longer than I'd like to admit. I struggled much harder than I'd like to admit that I struggled. But I eventually won. I did win. Thank you. Thank you. He was crushed. And I walked away so confident with my chest poked out. Now, anytime you're ready, buddy, let's do it again. You need to hit the weight room a little bit more and then come back and challenge me again. Now I can do all the talking that I could not do before. And in that moment, I'm reminded that Sometimes in our faith, we're so nervous to step out and do anything because I don't know how that's going to go because we haven't used our faith in, in... well, babe, way back, Pastor Sean, I did some prayer and fasting when I was a teenager. So I, I could fast if I wanted to. I could go four or five, seven days without eating if I wanted to. I could do anything I wanted for God. But when you actually get ready to do that, if you haven't fasted in a while, can I tell you that your first meal... You'll be questioning, why did, I de- why did I decide to do this? The first time you decide to step out and do anything for God, I want to I do something for your kingdom. Use me to help change someone's life. You'll be questioning, I don't know if I can actually do this. But the more we trust God, the more God asks of us and we step out by faith and say, okay, I don't, I don't know how this is going to go. 
I'm nervous, but here we go. I'm going to try. The more we do that, he shows up, and then every time God shows up, we're building that currency of relationship. Now I'm walking with God by faith, and I know he's going to show up. We start getting confident in our faith. Not confident in myself. I'm confident that God is God. I'm confident that God will show up and that he will prove himself. Here's my challenge to you. When we want to follow God, we all want to live the life that God has given us. We all have uh, desires. If we go around the room, what life do you want to live for God? How do you want your marriage to be in your faith? You want to have a strong, godly marriage? Yes. We'll all check that box. But when it comes to actually doing it, we get too nervous and we back up. We fail because last week we talked about a couple of the easy reasons that we get distracted. We don't put God first. We, <laughs> there, are, there are some simple things, but ultimately all of those things that keep us from doing what God asks us to do, you can, you can put them all into one category, and that is temptation. We have a desire to do what God wants us to do. I want to do what's right, and yet when I actually get ready to put my foot out, I stop because a temptation presents itself. And here's the deal. That temptation doesn't have to be very complicated. It just has to be enough to distract us or get us off track. And so today, James chapter 122 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Everybody say, do what it says. We deceive ourselves and we say, I could if I wanted to. We think that, my, I know a lot about the Bible. We, we think we're, we have more faith than we do. We overestimate our faith. We overestimate our ability. And in doing so, I think we get caught. And so today, this message is going to be about stopping in our tracks where, where we fall into temptation. So the title of my message is Temptation Preparation. Temptation, we're going to prepare for temptation because it's going to come. There's going to be a moment where I decide, okay, God, I'm going to fast and pray this week. I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. and I'm going to pray for, for a half hour. I'm going to pray for 10 minutes. Then I'm going to worship for five minutes. Then, I, then I'm going to set some time aside. You're going, to, you're going to decide. I'm using the 21 days of prayer as an example because it's a perfect image of what happens anytime we decide to do something for God. God, I'm going to put my marriage in order. We're going to start doing things right. I'm going to start leading my family. God, we're going to start going to church. I'm going to be at church every week for this year. I'm going to start serving. I'm going to start worshiping more. I, all the things we decide, we put a flag in the ground, and we decide, this is what I'm going to do for God, and then temptation rolls around. And we start, well, man, well, I, want, I, I, I should do that, but really got to take care of some other things I hadn't, I hadn't thought about. I want to go a week without eating. I don't want to eat lunch at all this, this week, but there's some, you know, I have to. <laughs> it's harder than I thought it was. So preparing for temptation. Why do we need to prepare for temptations? Two really good reasons why we need to prepare ahead of time for temptation. I'm going to give them to you really fast. Number one, the devil's coming to get you. The devil is coming for you. Number one, the devil is coming for you. 
And that's nothing to be scared, uh, afraid of because if we're prepared, then we overcome. If we're ready, if we know he's coming, then he can't hurt us. And I'm not, listen, you might think, when I say the devil's coming for you, you might think, well, he's going to wrap me up in chains and send vampires and uh, he's going to send werewolves after me. No, he's just going to give you a little lie. He's going to tempt you. He's just going to say, hey, hey, you don't have to, you don't have to fast this week. Your faith's pretty strong already. You went to church enough last week, last year. You don't need to go to a small group. You don't need to lead a small group. He's going to put a little temptation out there. And you're going to fall for it if you're not ready for it. 2 Corinthians 2, 9, Paul said, I wrote to you so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Everybody say evil schemes. He's scheming. He knows how to bait you. He knows how to trick you. He knows what you want, and he'll offer you. He'll tell you exactly what you need to hear. I didn't want to fast anyway. I just needed a reason to not fast. Number two, You're not as strong as you think you are. He's coming to tempt you, and you are not as strong as you think you are. We all think that we're stronger than we are, but the moment you, that's why fasting is so important, because you think, oh, I can fast as long as I want. I have such good willpower. (laughs) But if you haven't fasted, you just don't know. I could read my Bible every day if I wanted to. But until you actually do it, You're not exercising that muscle. You got to use it. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, so if you think you're standing firm, that's all of you thinking, I don't even need to hear this. I've already, I already know all these scriptures. I've already heard this message. I fasted, I've prayed, I've done all that. I don't need to hear this. If you think you're standing firm, he says, be careful that you don't fall. Why? Because we romanticize who, how our faith is. We romanticize who we are. We give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Nah, I'm better than that. I, I, don't, I don't need that. I, I'm doing pretty good. I love God. But let's put our faith to work this week. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus says, Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We fall into temptation because we're not ready. He says, Be careful. Watch and pray. So we're going to be alert and ready. So when the devil comes with his schemes, we're not going to fall for it. We're not going to fall for temptation. So I'm going to give you three three ways that we can be prepared for temptation, whether it's in fasting, whether it's in challenging the faith that we decide, the decisions that we make for God, where we're going to be with God, what 2023 is going to look like, what our marriages and our finances, our relationships. We are deciding who we're going to be in God and how we're going to get closer to God now temptation's going to come. I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions. I'm talking about who you are in your faith. I'm talking about who you are as a man of God, as a woman of God. You're making a decision, deciding this is what this is going to look like, and I promise you the enemy is going to come along and offer you what you want. Don't be that. And if you're not ready for the temptation, you'll just agree. Ah, you're right. I wasn't ready. We'll try again next year. 
So three, three keys to preparing for temptation. Things we can do that will help us overcome the temptation to quit, that will help us overcome the temptation to back up. So I'm going to need, number one, number one is to move the line. Does anybody in the room have some tape? Right here, we got some tape. All right. <laughs> Thank you for coming prepared. That's good. I did a terrible job of this in the first service, so I have to make up for my... That's the line right there. I'm not going to cross that line. That We can call that the line of sin. We're... So, but we're tempted to cross the line, right? When Angela and I first started dating, last night we were telling some new friends that we just met um, how we met and how we started dating at 16 years old. And I can tell you that all 16-year-olds have the same questions, especially if they're in the youth group and they care about what God thinks about them. Where's the line? How far can we go? How long can we talk? Can we touch hands? Can I put my arm around you? Can we kiss? How long can we kiss? <laughs> Somebody said they passed the line. We crossed the line already. We want to know where the line is. That's a relationship between Angela and I, but everything that we do, we want to know where the line is. How do I not cross the line? And how close, that's the real, th that's the real question, how close can I get to the line without going over the line? <laughs> without offending God, without hurting myself, without damaging my faith, how close can I get? So here's the real answer to how, how do we prepare for that temptation? Because here's what's going to happen. If you go to the line, I promise you, you'll want to step over the line. But if we move the line, it's not bad. I move the line back. So now I'm not tempted to go over the line because I move the line back. And so how do we practically do that? How do I... How do I live that out and actually move the line when it comes to the things that I care about and the way that I live for God? How do we move the line? Let me show you. We prepare for it. Psalm 16:6 6 says that the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I, I have a delightful inheritance. He's saying it matters where the boundary lines are in my life. So if I can move the boundary line... Here's the deal, though. When it comes to how close I can get to the line, we don't do that in other places in our life. We only do it when it comes to, like, right and wrong. We don't get in a plane and the pilot doesn't say, uh, what's the least amount of fuel I need to get to where we're going? We don't go to the car dealership and say, listen, I like all these cars, but which is the least safe car that I can buy, that has the least safety features that I can afford. No. We want the safest car. We want to make sure there's a margin of protection. We want to make sure we're going to get where we're going. And so we build in some margins to make sure that we don't cross the line. And when it comes to our faith, we want to come up to the line and assume that my willpower will be enough to, cross over, to not cross over. That's not the way it works. 
So move the line. Move it back. How does that practically look? It looks like this. If, if I have a known issue that I know I'm going to cross over the line, every time I come to the line, I cross over the line. Every time I get to the line, I tell myself I'm not going to cross the line, and I always step over the line. Maybe that's an overspending issue. Maybe you get on Amazon, and you always spend too much, and you tell yourself, I'm not going to do that next time. I'm not going to spend too much. What if you gave someone else your password, someone that you trust, you gave them your username and password and let them check in and be accountable? What if it came to every time you say, I'm going to go to church every day for a whole month, every, every Sunday for a whole month, and, but it happens on Sunday morning that you wake up and you just decide, oh, I feel so good, I'm not getting out of bed, I hear the thunder outside, and I love to hear the rain while uh, I'm just going to sleep in. What if you asked an accountability partner to call you every week for four weeks just to wake, make sure we're going to meet at church. We're going to meet at a small group. We're going to read our Bible together. We're going to pray together. What if you became accountability partners with someone that, oh, well, Pastor Sean, then, then I'd have to do it. Uh-oh. What if we were really serious about doing the things that we said we're going to do? Serious enough to make accountability partners with someone to, to make sure that we get there. What about instead of saying, well, I'm going to go ahead and download the app. I'm just not going to do anything that I'm not supposed to do. Or I'm going to go ahead and get on the internet and surf around a little bit, but I'm not going to go to that one website. What if we started building in accountability and letting someone else be able to check our phone or our computer, our devices? What if instead of saying, well, I'm going to go ahead and text back and forth with this person, but I'm not going to meet them? Nah, it's just, I'm just playing a game, but, but then we cross that line. What if you just deleted the number? What if you blocked the number? What if instead of going to that place or going out with friends, you go out with friends, and then what happens? You, you, you go to a certain place, you go to a club, and then you start drinking, and then you start hanging out with people you don't want to hang out with, and then you go home with someone that you didn't want to go home with. What if we just didn't go to the club? What if we backed up and drew the line over here and said, okay, I'm not going to cross the line. Move the line. Move the line. Number two, after we move the line, we need to do the math. After we move the line, we, should, we, we have to stop and think about what is going to happen if I cross the line. I think a lot of times we just think, nah, I hope, any, I, hope I don't cross the line, but if I do, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I I, I believe I'm not going to cross the line, so I'm not even going to think about what would happen if I crossed the line. What if we actually did think about what was going to happen when we, if I do cross the line, here's a, a hard question. What's the worst case scenario? If I cross that line, what, what, what am I going to lose? Whose feelings am I going to hurt? How badly am I going to damage my marriage? How badly am I going to betray someone's trust? How badly am I going to hurt myself? How far am I going to push away from my faith and the desire that I want to be close to God? What is that worst-case scenario? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to compromise my relationship with my kids? Start thinking through. And listen, we don't live in a world where it's very popular to think through consequences. Used to be, my mom used to tell me, you better think about what you're doing. Think about what's going to happen if you do that. She'd let me do it, but then the consequences were coming. 
But nowadays, we don't, we're not worried about the consequences. We say things like YOLO. We say things like, hey, just live your life. Do your thing. You do you, boo-boo. Hey, it is what it is. That's one of my favorite. It is what it is. I, I don't have to explain it. Look at it. That's what it is. I did it. We live in the moment, and we're proud of living in the moment, but what if we start thinking through the consequences of stepping outside of our faith and stepping outside of our decisions? Some of y'all are going to get this. Numbers 32, 23 says, you'll be sinning against the Lord, and you may, you may be sure that your sin will find you out. All the things you think are hidden, all, you, all the things you think, <laughs> you know, I just, it's, just, it's just what I do. It don't hurt nobody. What happens is that those things find us out. What is hidden will be shouted from the mountaintops. And if we started thinking like, I can't live a double life, and I'm going to just be who God wants me to be 100% of the time and not make allowances for the things that I want to do behind closed doors. Try not to hurt anyone's feelings, but I want this to be our best year yet. I want this to be our best year of faith yet. But it requires that we look at ourselves really good and really hard and make some decisions that might not feel good. That's not easy. Number three, we move the line. We think about the consequences. We do the math and think about what's going to happen. And number three, we plan our escape plan our escape. Now, there's no one in the Bible that probably more exemplifies making their escape than Joseph. And Joseph, I think more than anybody, anyone else in the Bible, this is the person I think that Angela thinks I'm like. She sees me like Joseph. He is a dreamer. He is a, he is a, a man that is living for God. But even more than that, I'll tell you, in Genesis chapter 39, verse 6, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Of course, that's me. <laughs> and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. And Joseph was in a situation he should not have been in, but he was in it. And you're not going to be able to get yourself out of those situations every time, but you need to figure out. You can plan a way of escape. And I believe that Joseph was ready for it when it happened because he didn't fall into the temptation. You know what he could have done? He could have just said, my life's been pretty hard up to this moment. I don't even have a choice to be here right now. I might as well just go along with it. If he wanted that, he could have. But Joseph had set his mind against it, set his heart against it. And so when the time came to be in a situation that he did not need to be in, and I, I, can, I don't have proof of this, but I believe that this was not just like a one-time deal. She probably was pursuing him, trying to wear him down, and finally... In a moment, she grabbed a hold of him and said, come sleep with me. And the proof is in what he did. The proof is in uh, verse 12. It says, but he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Sometimes we have so many reasons and excuses why we stay in the middle of temptation or why we go ahead and accept temptation, why we give in to temptation. Well, I couldn't leave because she had my cloak. She had my cloak. It, I, I've been put here. So many bad things have happened. Well, God put me here. 
This must be what God wants for me. We justify so many things. It says Joseph left his cloak. There's some things in your life. Somebody needs to hear me right now. There's some things in your life that you need to leave and run away. You need to cut ties and let the cloak go. It's better to be where God wants you to be than to have a nice cloak or nice whatever it is that you think you need to hang on to. A nice relationship, the nice feeling that comes from this person or this thing or this app or this place. There's some things that are keeping you from where you need to be in God, and today's the day where you just need to make a decision, I'm done. You need to make the decision, I'm cutting ties, and I'm going to leave that cloak over there, even if it costs me my reputation, even if it costs me my cloak, even if it costs me my job, even if it changes the way my life looks, I'm going to be who God made me to be. When we start making decisions like that, ladies and gentlemen, when we start living and deciding those kinds of decisions, I'm going to start living over here and not next to the line. I'm going to be full of faith this year, and I'm going to live a life that has not looked like any of my other years. My marriage is going to be better. My faith is going to be stronger. I'm going to go to church and connect with people full of faith. When you start making those kinds of decisions, your life will change. But I can't make that decision for you. And what happens is God meets us in that moment. Last verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Guys, let's endure this 21 days. I know it's hard to fast and pray, but if we can march our way toward God and leave behind the things of this world, if we can clear out our head, get, get some of the fog of the world and uh, all of electronics and sugar and food and all the things that are vying for our attention that we feed instead of feeding our spirit. If we can spend a season focused on God, our lives, the rest of this year will reflect that. It won't matter what happens in the economy. It, won't have, it, it will not matter what happens in politics. It won't matter what happens in your neighborhood or what your neighbor says, your family, family member says. Because we'll be closer to God than we've ever been. That's the decision we need to make today. Can we be full of faith? Can we be prepared for temptation? Last thing that's in your notes. Why would I resist temptation in the future if I have the power to eliminate it today? There's some things that I can do today to put distance between myself and temptation. Why would I not do that today? Today as we close, we're going to close in worship, but more than anything, I'm going to come back and pray in just a second, but more than anything, we have to, we have to be decision makers. We have to be people who are willing to stand up and say, yes, I will live a life of faith. No matter what it costs me, no matter who it puts me with or takes me away from, I will live a life of faith, full of faith. I will pursue what God has for me. I will lean into his presence and reach for more of his power this year. I will be a person that worships and prays and fasts. That's who God's called us to be. And I will make this year a year of faith. Would you stand up on your feet and let's worship together. You are the one above it all. My 
We're going to close in prayer. And while I pray, sometimes you just listen to me pray. While I pray, I want you to say your own prayer. In that in this moment, I'd love for you to just dedicate to God what the next 21 days is going to look like. Just say, God, I dedicate this, this 21 days to you. I want to be closer to you. I want to be full of faith. I want to lead my family into faith, into a stronger relationship. I want my marriage to be better than it's ever. Like those kinds of decisions, those kinds of statements where you're committing to God is not just you hearing me close the service up. Let's pray. God, today we hear your word, we receive your word, and we trust that you are for us. God, if if you are for us, who can be against us? Today, Lord, we cling to your word. We cling to the the trust that we have in you, and we want to be full of faith. We want to walk by faith and not by sight. We want to walk into a dark world knowing that you're with us, accomplishing your word, accomplishing your will, doing the things that you have designed for us. We talk so much about your plan for us, but God, we want to walk in that plan. We want to live out that plan, the desires that you have for us, Lord. Let them come to pass. Let this year be, and in this moment, God, let our minds be clear. Let our hearts be clear. Let our vision for the life you have prepared for us be clear that we might start to take steps toward it in Jesus name commit all of these things every part of our lives God we commit to you in Jesus name before we leave this moment I'd like to give every single person in this room and those watching online if you've never started a relationship with God if you've never had that moment of surrender where you've started that walk of faith because it's all good to talk about faith, talk about living by faith, but that walk, that journey of faith starts when we, when we are reconciled to our Heavenly Father. That happens through Jesus Christ. It happens whenever we come to Jesus and surrender our lives and say, I'm ready to follow you, Jesus. I'm ready to live for you. I'm ready to trade in my old life for a new one. So what I would ask is everyone in the room, would you just bow your head right where you are? If you're at home or in your car, would you just bow your head right where you are? Take a minute. Stop everything. Just let this moment between you and God be settled that this is a moment of surrender. If that's you and you're ready to surrender with no one looking around and I won't call you out or call you forward or embarrass you, but if that's you and you want to give your life to God today, would you just raise your hand up and say, I'm ready to say that prayer. You can put it right back down. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Amen. Let's all say this prayer together so no one's praying alone. Would you repeat these words after me? God, today I give you my life. I'm ready to surrender. No longer me, but you, God. Come into my life and save me. Forgive me of my sin and make me new. And today I will follow you. Wherever you lead, I will go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together for everybody who said that prayer. I'm so excited that you said that prayer today, and I'm excited that we're here in the house of the Lord together. Pastor Susan, would you-